I'm going to ask you about your plans. The plans? Your plans. Your emergency response strategy, to be specific. Oh, What's, cool. Rad. Yeah. Okay. I'm currently at Carnegie Mellon University. I'm asking some students what they would do if a nuclear bomb hit downtown Pittsburgh. First question, let's say you get a text that downtown Pittsburgh is going to be hit with a nuclear attack in five minutes. What would you do? Call my dad. Wait, do I have to take this seriously? Because my answer, my real answers would be pretty much die in all scenarios. Call my friends and say, or my family and say I love them. I mean, if it's coming to Pittsburgh, then there's no escaping unless you, you went to a bunker of some sorts, but you'd have to find time to do that, so it's not possible. If I am far away, for some reason I'm in a, in a part of Pittsburgh where I'm able to see and everything is happening, but I'm not physically hurt, um, my brain would shut down. Crying might be an option. I'd run to my car, probably. Okay. Why? What do you think happens in your car? I can drive away. Okay. <laughs> I have my keys on me at all times. Perfect. <laughs> Ready to go. Perfect. <laughs> so, what would you do during a nuclear attack? Would you cry? Maybe try and run away? Jump in your car and drive away instead? If you have a similar strategy to what we just heard, you might want to rethink that. Hello? I'm Alton Liu, and this is the Nuclear Warriors Podcast. We have a multi-part series coming on all aspects of how we can try and succeed at surviving a nuclear explosion. Hello, everyone. I'm Tammy Wynn. We'll discuss what you, as an individual, need to do to survive and why. But we'll also learn about what goes into survival from the local government's perspective. And then we'll have a little episode about what the federal government is or isn't doing to ensure your survival. Today, we're talking about you, me, and Alton. Us normal civilians that go to work or school every day. And how we all can survive a nuclear attack. Honestly, it's a really, really simple strategy. Which we will tell you after the break. The Nuclear Warriors podcast is supported by the Reinventing Civil Defense Project and funded by the Carnegie Corporation of New York. The opinions and views expressed in this podcast do not reflect the views of the supporting organizations. Questions about the podcast or the Reinventing Civil Defense Project can be directed to Elton at NuclearWarriors.com. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this part's, I feel like this part's going to be awkward. <clears throat> All right. Like we can just cut the end. At the end. Okay. Go ahead. Get inside, stay inside, and stay tuned. Get inside, stay inside, and stay tuned. Get inside. Get inside, stay stay inside, inside, and and stay stay tuned. (laughs) That's the end of the podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It has been a great pleasure. All right. All right. All right. No, we're. (laughs) Going to break that down a little bit more. Get inside, stay inside, and stay tuned has become the rallying cry for survival during any sort of nuclear incident, whether it's a detonation or some other, some event that creates radiation that's a danger. Um, It was created by some government agency, we think the Center for Disease Control. 
um, to remind people what to do in case this ever happens. It's sort of like a new generation of stop, drop, and roll. But just like you can survive being set on fire, you can survive the aftermath of a nuclear explosion. It is not the end of the world. It just really sucks. We should start by painting that picture in your head of what happens before the nuclear detonation and what happens afterwards. And to learn more, we found someone who knows all about that. So my name is Brooke Buttemeyer. I'm a certified health physicist, which is kind of a fancy way of saying, saying radiation safety guy. Brooke works at the Lawrence Livermore National Lab, which is a federally funded research department. It's part of the Department of Energy. And he's dedicated his career to ensuring that we all stay alive during any sort of nuclear or radiological incident. So all of this brings up sort of an obvious question to me anyways. What is the actual chance of a nuclear attack ever happening? We have to make a big disclaimer before answering that question. Depending on who you ask, it's always different. No one knows for sure, and we can only guess. There are a lot of people who think Trump might start a nuclear war. Some people in the Trump administration think there's a high probability that North Korea will launch a nuke at us. Eventually. And when we say high probability, we mean a high probability relative to when President Obama or Bush were in office. The actual chance of a nuclear attack happening is low enough compared to the Cold War that if you ignore it for the rest of your life, it's probably fine. Uh, but it's not low enough that you shouldn't take 15 minutes to listen to the rest of this podcast and to know what to do. Again, that is our opinion, so don't write in about that. To be accurate, it's mostly Alton's opinion. But among many people in the actual nuclear research and policy field, the focus isn't on large-scale nuclear wars. It's more about terrorism since 9-11. Our focus has been, since 9-11, on... Um, you know, terrorism and terrorism concerns. And uh, uh, we actually have a lot of data and information about, you know, nuclear weapons use in warfare. What we are trying to do is better understand what the possibilities are for nuclear terrorism. And, and there are some differences. One, it's uh, generally a lower yield nuclear weapon. Um, the national planning scenario, uh, number one, <laughs> for a nuclear uh, terrorism event is a 10 kiloton nuclear detonation detonated at ground level in a modern U.S. city. Some researchers believe that the probability of a nuclear terrorist attack is much higher than the probability of a nation nuclear attack, relatively speaking. So we're focusing on that type of terrorist attack today for your survival needs. Unlike an attack from North Korea or Russia, this bomb wouldn't be flying on a missile. It'd be transported by a truck or a small boat, and it would be a ground-level detonation, which is very different than a mid-air attack. So when a nuclear detonation occurs on or near the ground, um, the fireball touches the earth. Uh, it creates a lot of dirt and debris that gets sucked up into the fireball and into the mushroom cloud, and that material gets coated with the radioactive material that's produced during the fission process of the nuclear explosion. Um, all of that dirt and debris starts raining back to Earth after the cloud stabilizes at you know five or ten minutes uh, after the event, 
And as that material rains back down, it's, you know, salt and sand-sized particles, uh, it's actually giving off gamma radiation. And that's the big hazard from fallout, is that these particles land on rooftops, they land on the street outside, and each little grain of sand-sized particle is giving off this penetrating gamma radiation. So it's essentially a source of radiation. Surprisingly, something Brooke told us is that a mid-air detonation, like the one that was dropped on Japan, doesn't have the same radiation fallout impacts. You know, while it creates all the radioactive material, it doesn't mix with sand and debris and dirt from the ground. It just sort of floats in the atmosphere. Um, Although all of those radioactive materials are still produced in the explosion from the fission process, uh, they may create sort of a, a global... Uh, fallout where the fallout, small levels of fallout can be detected, you know, around the globe, but it's not the dangerous levels of fallout that would occur if you have a lot of mixing of dirt and debris with the uh, radioactive material produced in the explosion. But with the ground explosion, the sand and dirt is heavy enough to fall back down, exposing all of us to danger. That's what we're trying to get away from. And the easiest fastest, least threatening way to get away from radioactive sand and dirt is to just get inside a building. Trying to escape is the worst thing. Yeah, the, the worst place you can go in, a nuclear, in the aftermath of a nuclear detonation is your car. Um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is once you get on the road, you and Probably a million other of your neighbors had the same idea, and so you're probably going to be sitting on a road and not going anywhere. And that's the worst place to be if fallout is generated, uh, because if you're in your car stuck on a freeway and fallout starts coming down, you're kind of out of options. Um, It's kind of hard to get off of freeways and walk off them very easily, and, and sometimes there's not very good shelters nearby. All right, detour time. We need to explain radiation. And there's really three types that we're talking about here. The first one is alpha radiation. Imagine a spitball. Annoying, kind of gross, doesn't travel too far, can be stopped by anything in the world. Can't pass your skin, a piece of paper could stop it. And then you have beta radiation. Imagine a small rock. It'll hurt if it's thrown at you, and you can't stop a rock with a flimsy piece of paper. But a book? Easy. No problem. And finally, gamma radiation. This is like a bullet. Pierces your skin, goes a long distance. You need some thick material to block it. A wood house might slow it down some. A lead bunker, you're totally safe. Now, if you transform these physical spitballs, rocks, and bullets, and just think about energy, that's the radiation. And the radiation that comes from fallout after an explosion are just thousands of these gamma radiation energy bullets. Energy bullets. These energy bullets are just flying off the sand and debris from the explosion constantly over a long period of time. And you need to find something dense, something thick to just hide from them. If you can just get something heavy between you and those energy bullets, you'd be that much safer. Now, the building I'm in all the time... It's super old, there's bad ventilation, glass windows. It's not the best place to hide from fallout. But I can escape just a few minutes down the street and get to the university center, which has a double basement. Think about where you spend most of your time. What are you doing? 
What kinds of buildings are near you? Is there somewhere you can go that might put the most mass between you and potential killer sand? And once you're there, you need to be ready to hang out, at a minimum for eight hours. Though ideally, you'd want to stay for a day. That's because the threat of the radiation, these energy bullets just flying out of the radioactive sand, is most intense right after an explosion. Like 1,000 bullets per hour just flinging out in all directions. But after two hours, those bullets are reduced to about 500 per hour. And after eight hours, there's only 100 still shooting off trying to kill people. Now, if Alton were to walk outside immediately after a nuclear attack, he'd be getting hit with about a thousand radiation bullets an hour. God, that would suck. Um, the official name for radiation bullets is RADS. Radiation units, RADS. <laughs> Radical. Radical. <laughs> okay, go on, go on. Getting hit with a thousand bullets or a thousand RADS would definitely kill Alton. Now, anywhere in the range of 200 to 1,000 bullets, he might survive, but probably won't. Anywhere between 100 to 200 bullets, and you'd have a higher risk of cancer. Um, well, but Alton would live. But the goal of staying inside and avoiding these bullets is just to reduce your exposure to the most intense periods. When thousands of bull these radiation bullets are just flying off the sand and dirt. If I run into a normal wood house, like where I lived growing up, that would reduce radiation by about a third. So in about eight hours, I'd get hit by 400 bullets or rads. It's the lower end of the lethal stage, but still, still, I'd probably die. To almost guarantee survival, you'd need to find a basement or the center of an office building. If you can do that, your exposure would be at 100 rads after 8 hours. You might get some nausea and feel bad, but you'd survive. But we're going to circle back to what some of my colleagues said about their escape strategies in case of a nuclear attack. Running away, getting into a car, crying, calling their dad, those are things that will get you killed. Don't be a hero. Don't think you can escape. The best thing you can do is get inside and then stay there. And that brings us to our last step. Stay tuned. And I think it's kind of the hardest part because there's sort of anxiety you get from just sitting around. There's just, just this urge that you get to find loved ones or find a safer place. And you have to fight against that, against all instinct, because there are things happening from the local response team that is going to save more lives. Now, that stay tuned part is important because you've got to know when to leave your shelter, when it's safe to leave, and what direction you should go. The idea is that you're sheltered, um, you're hunkering down, you're avoiding the hazards that are outside, but at the same time, emergency management is working to get a handle on what just happened, and if there is a fallout hazard, which way that fallout went. Because it, goes, it does no good to tell people to evacuate if you're not going to say, and by the way, don't go this way because that's where the hazard is. You want to be able to provide an informed evacuation. And there's not really much more we can tell you after this point. It all depends on the situation as it's unfolding. There are so many things that can happen after a nuclear explosion. Fires, buildings might be collapsing, radiation is flying everywhere. Knowing that these things are happening and that staying inside for at least a day and staying tuned to more information 
is the best way to keep yourself and your loved ones safe. So Tammy, what do we not worry about? We probably shouldn't worry at all about the actual explosion. That's a thing, and if it happens, we can't change it. And what should we worry about? You should worry about finding a shelter around the places you live or work now so that you have a plan. It probably takes 10 minutes to think about it, but after you do that prep work, all that you need to worry about is remembering the phrase. Get inside. Find a shelter, brick, concrete, the center of an office building. Whatever it is, the quicker you do this, the less exposure to radiation you'll get. Stay inside. Radiation from fallout decays rapidly. But it doesn't mean you can walk outside immediately afterwards. The longer you stay inside, the better. And finally, stay tuned. There haven't been many bombs dropped on cities in history, so the true effects, you know, they're not always known. So you have to stay alert from any communications from the government or local response team or even friends and family to know what to do properly. If you want to contact us for future story ideas or things you want to know about the nuclear world, you can email us at alton at nuclearwarriors.com. We'd love to hear from you for any way we can improve the show or properly tell you what to worry about. And as always, you can find some of our links to what we talked about on our website at nuclearwarriors.com. I'm Alton Liu. Talk to everyone next time.